Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? For those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Aaron. I am the worship pastor here at Cornerstone. Before we move on any further, uh, can we just give it up to, uh, for Pastor Allie and the worship team for leading us in such a beautiful time of worship today? If my voice is shot, it's not because I preached a message already once. It's because I was singing my lungs out on the front row during worship. Man, it was, it was just such an awesome time of worship today. But before I jump into the message, Pastor Andy wanted me to update everyone on where he is today. He's not sick. Can we just give him a round of applause for that at least? Uh, Pastor Andy figured it would be a good time to take some vacation considering all the time he has spent in the hospital recently. If you don't know, his appendix burst and there were a bunch of complications following that that he had to get treated. But he is healthy now. Uh, he and Shannon and the kids are out in New Jersey visiting family, doing some touristy type stuff. So we're just uh, praying that they come back refreshed and healthy. But knowing his immune system, who knows? Um, anyway, I want to start today by asking you a question. It's an important question, so I want you to be ready for it, okay? It's, it's a personal question. Not, not too personal, but, but it's a huge question. And I want you to answer it correctly. Now you're probably all overthinking it, right? I'm going to count to three. One two, three. Okay, now everybody take a deep breath. What is the happiest moment that you can remember in your entire life? Everybody got that in your mind? What is the happiest moment that you can remember in your entire life? I want you, I'm just going to give you guys a couple of seconds, but go ahead and tell somebody sitting around you what the happiest moment of your entire life was. Go ahead and tell them. All right, I'm sure, I'm sure your answers are all awesome, but I have to say the answer to this question is easy for me. When you ask me the happiest moment of my entire life, it took place September 2nd, 2006. And guys, if, if you're sitting next to your wife and, and you did not answer your wedding day or like maybe a day that your kid was born, then you're probably in the doghouse tonight. But I'm telling you the truth right now. This was the happiest day of my life. I was marrying Adrian, the love of my life. If you don't know my wife, that's her right there, Adrian, right there. I'm marrying Adrian. We're getting married at this beautiful, brand new church. I've got all of, all of our friends are there, bridesmaids, groomsmen, the whole deal. All of our family is there. Uh, then we had an amazing reception out at a clubhouse on a lake. We had one of my favorite meals, chicken parmesan was being served. They had, uh, like we had the custom cake. One of my buddies is a DJ and he just killed it. Everybody was having a great time dancing. The night was amazing. And then it finally came time for the formal exit. The formal exit, if you don't know, is the part of the reception where the bride and groom 
like run through the barrage of being pelted in the face with like bird seed, fireworks, and like bubbles, you know, whatever they do. I know bird seed's illegal now, but I think that might have been what they threw at us. I don't remember. Um, but we made it, right? We got to the part where the getaway car pulls up and takes us to the honeymoon. The problem was, by the time we got to the end of the line, the limo was nowhere to be found. So this picture on the screen, this is us literally killing time, trying to figure out how are we going to get to our destination. You see, what happened was my best man, Brian, received a phone call that the limo had shown up and that it was there. But what we didn't realize was that this particular lake has two clubhouses on either side of the lake and it just so happened that there was another wedding reception being held at the other place so the limo that I paid for picked up the wrong bride and groom but I was so happy to be able to bless somebody else I was just so grateful for that so we ended up uh, thankfully, the, the lady who is right over Adrian's left arm there, she graciously volunteered her Cadillac, and then one of my groomsmen and the maid of honor volunteered to drive us to our hotel uh, for that evening before we were leaving for our cruise the next day. We had to stop at Taco Bell on the way <laughs> because that chicken parmesan I was so excited about eating, which is one of my favorite meals. And that cake, the only bite of the cake I had was, I think, when we did the, the cake cutting. We were rushing through all of the different elements that we had to do and mingling and all that stuff that we never got to sit down and eat our dinner. So we stopped at Taco Bell, stopped at the gas station, and when we were at the gas station, we saw the limo that was supposed to pick us up. I was tempted, man. I was so tempted. Uh, but anyways, all of that to say, the whole time, Despite the fact that nothing went the way that we had planned it, we had an amazing time. Because all of the parts of the journey led it to be something beautiful. And it's something now, looking back especially, we could, we could laugh about. It reminds me of a story in the Bible where Jesus and, or actually Jesus' disciples, the guys that followed Jesus, they're walking on the road to a place called Emmaus. And as they are walking this road, they are overwhelmed with fear, they are distraught, they are thinking all kinds of things because this Jesus that they were following had died. The one who was supposed to be the promised Messiah, the prophesied Savior, is gone. They had to be thinking, how is this happening? We have invested our lives. We dropped everything literally to follow this guy, and now he is gone. They're going to try to kill us next. What are we going to do? God, this is not going according to plan. The cross on Friday led to an empty tomb on Sunday and the disciples were not able to see it in that very moment. I think that all of us have had these Saturday moments, right? The moments where 
We are in the middle of our circumstances and we cannot see any beauty in any of it. And here's what I've learned. You and I become dissatisfied with our lives because we do not see them as beautiful. And not seeing our lives as beautiful keeps us from living the lives that God has for us. The lives that he wants us to experience. On top of all that, the things that we invest our time, our money, our energy in, a lot of times those are not very joy-producing either, right? The Russian author Dostoevsky said, beauty will save the world. And I would argue that beauty has already saved the world through Jesus Christ. And I believe what he wants to teach us through this series is how to live the beautiful lives he has designed us for. That we would live so inseparably linked to Jesus Christ that we would start exhibiting the very beauty that we are all longing for. Whether, whether we realize it or not, all of us want to experience something beautiful, right? Not just in creation, not just in the things around us, not just in the things that we do, but in who we are. It's why humans have always searched for the meaning of life, purpose, significance, being connected to something greater than myself. It is only through Jesus Christ that the mess of our lives can be turned into something beautiful. Every person in this room today, every person that is watching online right now, all of us are on a unique step in our journey. Maybe you're here today and you have questions about who Jesus is. Maybe you have doubts. Maybe you are in a place of deconstructing, reconstructing, questioning, whatever it may be today. Maybe you have a thriving, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ and you are all in. Wherever you are today, we have to say this. We believe that Jesus is the most important person in all of history. We believe everything that he said matters. And so, if Jesus wants to make you and I more like him, what is our part to play? In one of his most famous teachings called the Beatitudes, Jesus describes what it looks like for us to live out this beautiful life that he is working inside each and every one of us. If you have your Bibles today, you could turn to Matthew chapter 5. If not, we will have the verses up on the screens. You can also follow along in our Church Center app. If you just click the notes button at the very bottom, you can follow along there as well. In Matthew chapter 5, Verses three through nine, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I get it. When I read this list, most of these things that Jesus is listing off are not things that you and I would inherently describe as beautiful, right? Poor in spirit, hungering, mourning, thirsting, persecuted. How are any of these things beautiful? But what we see is that the life that Jesus calls blessed is not blessed according to what you do. The life that Jesus calls blessed is blessed because it is who you are. Pastor and author Daniel Fusco says, Jesus is interested, interested in a beautiful life that defines who his followers are, not just what they do. So here in the Beatitudes, Jesus is telling us who we already are as followers of Jesus Christ. The only thing required for us to be blessed is to simply come to Jesus. If you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus, a blessed person is who you already are in Christ. Every single characteristic that Jesus lists here in the Beatitudes starts with the word blessed. Over and over again, as I read that passage, it started with the word blessed. I'll be the first to admit that I am not a Greek scholar, but I went to Pastor Andy, who recently received his Masters of Divinity to make sure that I was pronouncing this word correctly. But in the original Greek language that this was written, the way we translate blessed, it actually comes from the word makarios, which literally means somebody who has been blessed by God and is happy. So, if this is the case, if the word blessed in the Bible actually means happy, why is it that we sometimes look down on the idea of the search for happiness? Why is it that we look down negatively on people who are searching to be happy? Because just consider the alternative for a minute. Unhappy, miserable, grumpy. No one in this room should desire any of those things, right? So then at some point, it becomes inevitable that you and I ask the question, does God want me to be happy? Does God want me to be happy? And guess what? The answer is yes. God actually wants you to be happy. But here's the thing. God links the idea of happiness with his blessing and the life that he intends for you and me to live. Regarding this idea, the theologian and pastor John Piper put it this way, we do not mean that our happiness is the highest good. We mean that pursuing the highest good will always result in our greatest happiness in the end. 
couple weeks ago, I was just mindlessly scrolling Instagram, like we all do, for 10 minutes, and two hours later, we're still mindlessly scrolling. And I came across a fascinating study. It was a Gallup poll that was just recently done, and it said that 2021 was the most unhappy year on record, ever. The most unhappy year of all time, ever. As the people who were polled said they experienced elevated amounts of worry, stress, physical pain, sadness, and anger than they ever had before. It's when I hear a study like this that I think maybe, just maybe, our culture has forgotten the meaning of the word happiness. We've lost the value of what the word happiness means. I'll be the first to admit, man, the year 2020, 2021, even things that are going on in 2022 have given all of us reason to be angry, to be fearful, to have worry, but we still tend to use the word happy to describe even the shallowest feelings of situational well-being, right? Circumstantial feelings, like I'm so happy that my Amazon package arrived early, right? Or I am so happy that the new Star Wars series is coming out in August. Or I'm so happy that the Raiders beat the Chargers. Remember that, Ernie? Where are you at? That was a great game. Or I'm so happy that they're finally building a Chipotle by my house. A Chipotle with a drive through Amazing, right? These are the things that get me excited, but Jesus is going deeper than this. He's saying that our only true happiness comes from being blessed by God. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Contrary to popular belief, happiness, true happiness, is not about enjoying your circumstances. It's about realizing that you are blessed regardless of your circumstances. I'll say that again. True happiness is not from enjoying your circumstances. True happiness only comes by being, by realizing that you are blessed regardless of your circumstances. Listen to what the Bible teaches in Psalm 144, verse 15. It says, happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So then, we have to ask ourselves, if you're a follower of Jesus, are you happy? Are you happy right now? It's easy when things are difficult to be unhappy. But this verse says that people who serve God are happy. Happiness should be an ever-present part of my life if I am a Christian. I believe that the pursuit of happiness is actually an act of worship. Okay, that sounds great, Aaron. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. 
But if God wants me to be happy, why do my happiness pursuits always end in me being unhappy? If happy are the people whose God is the Lord, why am I not happy? I'm happy that you asked. The answer is simple. Happiness is not found where we normally look for it. Happiness is not normally found where we look for it. Our careers, our relationships, our appearance, our possessions, even our hobbies, right? The things that are meant to recharge us, recharge our batteries, the things that we invest our money in and our time, sometimes those things can even feel like a continual grind, right? We're apt to think, if I could just change this situation, everything would be perfect. If I could just make this adjustment to this thing, I would be happy. If I could just get into that school, if I could just get that job or get that raise, if I could just get into a relationship with that person, if my spouse looked like them, if my kids acted like those kids, if I could buy that house or drive that car. And so we find ourselves on this endless hamster wheel, if you will, of happiness, constantly chasing the things we think will make us happy but will never satisfy. And we never end up at our destination. When I was a little kid, I thought that I would be able to achieve ultimate happiness if I just had every single G.I. Joe. And then as I started to get older, I thought, man, life would be perfect if I had every Nintendo game. We're talking Nintendo, like NES. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Not Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, GameCube, Switch, not, not that. We're talking old school Nintendo. I would even have dreams that I owned every single Nintendo game. And then I'd wake up in the morning and I'd go to my closet to see that the same six games that I had the night before are still the only games that I had. And then as I got older, into my teens and my 20s and I was working a job, my favorite day of the week became Tuesday. New release Tuesday at Best Buy, man. All the new CDs from my favorite artists load up the cart. All my favorite movies, DVDs, load up the cart. Some of you guys will never understand the, the joy, the thrill, the danger of driving a stick shift with your knee while eating Taco Bell with your left hand, talking on the phone on your shoulder. There was no speakerphone, but it was not illegal to talk on the cell phone back then while you were driving. Don't do this while flipping through this massive book of CDs, right? Anybody remember that? <laughs> flipping through, like I had like five of these giant folders full of CDs just to find the one song that I'm wanting to listen to. But I, but I had to have every single CD for my favorite artist. Man, now you, we have everything on Spotify or Apple Music, whatever you may have. We, we have it all right there and I can never figure out what I want to listen to now. Too many options, right? Even if you can't identify with G.I. Joe's, Nintendo games, music, movies, whatever it may be, 
This feeling is nothing new, right? If I could just have this, if I could go here, if I could do that, I would be happy. And humans have been saying this forever. The only difference is that now we have almost endless opportunities to pursue all kinds of things. Hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus Christ, God spoke to the children of Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. And, and I believe what God is addressing to these people at this time is exactly what he's saying to us right now and right here. Jeremiah 2.13 says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. So you and I, we have this tendency to create our own ideas about happiness, right? This will make me happy. This is how happiness works. And this is us making our own cisterns. What the heck is a cistern, right? Okay, so this is a cistern. A cistern was basically a storage uh, place for water back in the day. It was a source of water that was man-made. They would basically cut into the limestone foundation and put plaster around it to keep water from seeping out. The interesting thing is this. In Palestine at this time, there were actually three different sources of water. The, the ultimate and best source of water was living water. It was the freshest water you could get. It was what would come from a stream or what would come from moving water, a river. The second best form of water was from, was, was groundwater, basically water that would come up from the, from the ground that you would get in a well. And the third best, actually the least optimal source of water were these cisterns. The problem with a cistern was, yes, while it would hold water, it would also collect sediment. It would collect junk. It would collect mosquito larvae. So what the prophet Jeremiah is saying here is that by pursuing their own self-made ideas about happiness, not only were the people of Israel trading in the best source of water for the worst source of water, but the source of water that they were creating, these cisterns, they were cracking and breaking, busted with all the water leaking out, leaving nothing but sewage and muck at the bottom. And here's the thing about that. You can, you could get some water out of that cistern, right? You can get some happiness out of it for a short amount of time, but God is saying to the people here that only he is the source of living water that can quench and can satisfy. So in our longing to create our own cisterns, we forsake God in the entire process. We devote ourselves to our own desires. Once we see that our search for happiness is in all the wrong places, we must turn back to God and let him lead us into true happiness. As we see in the Beatitudes, Jesus defines happiness as being blessed. Jesus defines happiness 
as being blessed. The benefits of being a Christ follower don't only happen to us after we die. The truth is, as Christ followers, you and I are blessed by Jesus right here and right now. But here's the thing, it's not, this blessing is not about us having everything that we want. This blessing is not about us having all of our felt needs met. No, the paradox in all of this is that Jesus says the blessed person, the happy person, is the poor in spirit, the persecuted, and so on. Jesus gives the gift of happiness in the most unexpected and crazy places. And that's why we're calling this series Crazy Happy. Jesus invites us to find happiness in the places that you and I would rather avoid. That's crazy talk, right? But crazy happy is the life that Jesus has for us. Over the next couple of weeks, Pastor Ron Baum and Pastor Andy are going to walk us through the Beatitudes. But instead of telling us that they're things that we are supposed to do, giving us sort of a list or a checklist of commands, these are instead statements of fact for those of us who have put our faith in Christ. Here's what's devastating to me. If we were to ask people who do not attend a church, either people who have never attended church, maybe our neighbor who used to attend church and they don't anymore, if we were to ask them their opinion about the Western church, if we were to ask them their opinion about the church in America, they would probably not list off all of the adjectives that we find in the Beatitudes. That's heartbreaking. That's why it's so important for us to get back to a faith that is beautiful for the sake of a hurting, dying, unhappy world. And because that is the life that Jesus desires for us to live. The blessed person is the happy person. I remember growing up in church in Sunday school, maybe you remember this too, but, but they would teach us so we could remember the Beatitudes that they call them the Beatitudes, not the do attitudes. As cringy as it sounds, I kind of like it because it reminds me that my happiness is not based on the things I do. It's based on who I am. Jesus leads us into the blessed life. So we see right up front in the Beatitudes that Jesus is unique in showing us where happiness is found in places like meekness, Mourning, humility, mercy. Because according to Jesus, happiness is found in the unexpected places. It's found in the surprising places. And again, this is why we're calling the series Crazy Happy. When a person is crazy happy, something incredible happens. Something amazing happens. And that is this, the blessed person bears fruit. And this is what God is most interested in. God desires that our lives would bear fruit. Listen to what Jesus says in John 15, 8. He says, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. What is the fruit 
that we're supposed to bear. We find that in Galatians 5, through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The main characteristic of a disciple of Jesus Christ is that we bear fruit. When our lives bear the fruit of the crazy, happy life, God is glorified and that is our life purpose. Just that, to glorify God. As we simply respond to Jesus, the Spirit of God brings a harvest into our lives. That harvest is full of fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. And when this happens, our lives take on these beautiful qualities The beauty that we are seeking in our lives happens when our lives bear fruit. And that's when we find ourselves fulfilled and truly happy. You might be sitting here today or watching online today and and you're thinking, yeah, that's that all sounds nice, Aaron, but I've I've tried to read the Bible. And when I when I open the Bible, it's just confusing to me. It's difficult to understand. And so I I just kind of set it down because I I don't find any happiness in it. I try to pray. I I do pray. I, I, I go to God in prayer like I'm supposed to do, but when I'm done, I, I still don't feel happy. The problem is this. If you and I are constantly only going to God in prayer for a quick fix, if we're only opening up the word of God for instant gratification, our time with him becomes transactional rather than formational. And what he desires for each of us is that we would be transformed by him, by his word, by his presence. And what happens is we don't find immediate happiness when we go to him and We don't have those feelings, those goosebumps, whatever you want to call it. And so we set that aside for something that we feel will deliver right now. But when we realize that Jesus actually does want us to be happy and that he has already shown us his path to blessing, his path to happiness, then you and I can begin the journey together. I want to challenge you in this series. Would you... Pursue Jesus into the crazy happy life. Will you pursue Jesus into this crazy happy life? Because I believe that when you do, your life and your circumstances will look so much different. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to be on this journey with you. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I I just want to thank you so much. God, for what you have spoken to us today by your word, I ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would lead each and every one of us into this crazy happy life that you desire for us to live, this beautiful life that has been defined by Jesus, that we would no longer pursue the things of this world, but that our lives would bear fruit 
as we continue to walk with you. God, shape us, transform us into what you are calling us to be. We surrender our lives to your ways, God, to your purposes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Church, would you stand with me today? Uh, Before you leave, we just want to let you know that we've got our prayer team down here in the front. And if you need prayer for anything in your life today, they would be happy to pray with you. Maybe you want to ask questions. Maybe you want to pursue the crazy happy life by making Jesus your savior today. They would love to pray with you for that. We love you so much, church. You are dismissed. We will see you next Sunday.